This is a Boathouse Studios podcast. To support this podcast and other podcasts like it, visit patreon.com slash boathouse studios. That's boathouse studios, B-O-A-T-H-A-U-S studios, house spelt the German way. Okay, here's what we've got. The Rand Corporation, in conjunction with the Saucer People, under the supervision of the Reverse Vampires, are forcing our parents to go to bed early in a fiendish plot to eliminate the meal of dinner. We're through the looking glass here, people. Welcome to Two Bad Neighbors. That was a really good, intense millhouse. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I've been working on it. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've uh, seen you practice in the mirror. Well, I told you not to do that. Well, <laughs> welcome to Two Bad Neighbors. My name is Greg. My name is Alan. And the episode we're talking about today is Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're back. <laughs> yes, we are. Back in the studio. Yeah. Uh, you are back from your travels. I am back for a couple months, actually. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, let's dive right in. How have you been? You know, I I was just in Victoria, mm-hmm. and it was it was plus ten uh, degrees Celsius. There isn't a plus ten. <laughs> you lie. Yeah, there there was, um, and it was a uh, it was really nice. I went on a canoe. I I paddled on a canoe to an island, and biked around the island a lot, and it was. It was lovely. Nice. I saw our mutual friend Craig McHugh. Oh, I know him. While I was out there, yeah, yeah. You're current. show. Yeah, you're currently uh, beating him in the uh, hockey pool. I'm beating most people. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's how I've been. Right on. And you? Uh, been I haven't seen you since New Year's Eve. That's true. Yeah. Uh, no, I've been good. Uh, just been getting caught up, uh, with work. Uh, we just had our staff party, um, which is normal to do a Christmas party for, uh, this kind of company. Yeah. You're very popular at Christmas. Yeah. Like we're too busy around Christmas to actually do a staff party. So we did one in the new year. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I did a a whole trivia round that I made everyone do that was great because a lot of people were really mad at me. (laughs) You made everyone do it. That's great. Uh, (laughs) I said, all right, everyone. All right. Put down your glasses. Sit down. It's time for some trivia. And they're like, oh, we just want to drink and have fun. No, you're going to do trivia and you're going to like it. (laughs) Um, But no, that was good. And uh, yeah, aside from that, nothing really much happening. Just uh, like I said, kind of getting back in the groove of uh, normal life. Yeah, it takes a little while to to revert to normalcy. Speaking of uh, (laughs) stuff, how have you been, Dave? (laughs) Great segue. Yeah, no kidding. It's all good. We have a brand new guest on the podcast today, uh, Dave Waddell from CBC Radio 1. Yeah, I met you guys uh, when you guys came into the home stretch and uh, did your... uh, did your interview That's what, right. a few weeks ago, something like that? It was, oh, uh, yeah, about a month ago now. Yeah, because yeah, it was so. yeah, mid-December, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, I listened to the podcast, and I enjoy it. So I sort of uh, made the uh, subtle underhand law. It's like, <laughs> hey, if you guys ever need a guest <laughs> to talk about The Simpsons, it's something I like to do. So. Yeah, and we, we discussed it among ourselves and decided that, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Woo! <laughs> 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 After much debate, uh, no. But I uh, mean, like the bar is really low for guests here. 
I'm not saying Whatever, that. I'm not man. saying that makes you feel. I'm not makes you feel great. I'm not saying that you're the low bar. I'm saying you have hurdled it. Yeah, oh, I that's that's yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, like, it's super fun. I don't mean uh, to. I don't mean to come down on our guests. We appreciate every single one of them, but we don't like. We, they're, they're, you don't have to be an expert. It's <laughs> to, true. To and some people, show. some people have come on the show not realizing what show it was. So. Yes, that's true. Charles. That's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what, you just you just found someone like standing out on your lawn. Well, no, it was when we in. were hosting two podcasts. Okay. He thought he was on the other one. Well, ah. well, that uh, yeah, that's the thing. He didn't realize we had a second podcast. Yeah. I want to yeah, make right. that clear. He he knew we had our Cinepals podcast at the yeah. time, yeah. and I was like, hey, you want to come on our podcast and talk The Simpsons? And he assumed it was like a because bu- we had done bonus episodes of The Simpsons on The Cinepals. Yeah. So he had assumed that. So like. While on air, like go back and listen to that episode. You can find the moment where he realizes this is a Simpsons podcast. Interesting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that was fun. And now, <laughs> yeah. Um, you can pinpoint so, at the exact moment when his heart breaks. <laughs> That's right. So we like to do a uh, segment with all of our new guests, which we like to call uh, "What's Your Story." And what that means is, uh, what's your relationship with The Simpsons? How did you uh, come about becoming a fan? And what's your favorite episode if you have one? That well, kind of idea. I well, I will start by saying I was born in 85. And I was thinking about this because I knew this would come up because I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, and boy, I remember it. Like my trajectory as a kid and then getting into The Simpsons, you know, growing up with it and then later as an adult kind of mirrors the show and the show's trajectory in a really interesting way because I mean I remember being five or six those first sort of seasons of the show and that it was everywhere mm-hmm. like Simpsons yep. shit was everywhere and even as a little kid you knew that this was something as a phenomenon you know equivalent to you know, 91 90 would be like Ninja Turtles or something sure, like yeah. that right like I'm sure I had a Bart Simpson birthday cake when I was <laughs> like six years old, right? Mm-hmm. Like because that's what they were selling. You could go to a bake shop and get a Bart Simpson cake, right? You know the the crappy merchandise that don't have a cowman. <laughs> you know the Simpsons sing the blues, everything like that, right? All of these these pieces of paraphernalia were sort of floating around your your orbit, right? Yeah. And then you grow up a little bit, and as you grow up, and you know even eight or nine you know, you realize the shows are getting better. The shows are getting funnier. And the thing for me that was the big thing was that my folks loved it. My folks loved The Simpsons. So I had that's all... That's different. Of, it's that's, very that's different, That's very right? different. And I was talking to them a while back, and, and, and something... This came up in some way, shape, or form, and and my mom said, oh, yeah, your best friend, you know, your, your Jeff. You know, Jeff wasn't... A, remember his parents didn't let him watch The Simpsons? And I kind of forgot about that. And I thought, oh, shit, you're right. Like, there were so many parents that didn't let their kids watch the show, right? Because yeah. it was bad and Bart was a bad influence and yeah. cartoons weren't supposed to be, you know, showing these sorts of figures. And and I think of my childhood and it's like, no, oh, no, 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 no. Like, Simpsons was on. I had Monty Python tapes in the house. Like, <laughs> I remember watching Monty Python when I was like seven. Yeah. Um all sorts of just absurd humor. And I mean, to this day, my dad's favorite TV show is Futurama. So, and he's recently retired, like Mm -hmm. he's, he's 66. So, um, so it was, you know, Bloom County books too, right. Mm -hmm. You know, cartoon collections, everything like that. So all of these influences were around me and I watched it because it made my parents laugh and it made Mm -hmm. me laugh, you know, and, and you, 
you do this thing as you grow up with these shows or these cartoons. Um, and I'm thinking Simpsons and Bloom County specifically where they're funny in and of themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So the animations are funny. The cartoons are funny. They're, they're, you know, I remember the, the first season gag where, um, Homer and Bart are in the woods and they trap the rabbit and they <laughs> catapult the rabbit. That's genuinely funny. And I remember yeah. the first time my dad saw that scene and how hard he laughed. <laughs> right. And so that's genuinely funny. But then as you grow up, you can reverse engineer some of the jokes or some of the references that you don't get. So even this one that we watched uh, today, um, you know, the, there is something very funny about Lisa buying, not just, I mean, the, I got the Al Gore joke when I was yeah. a kid because Al Gore jokes were everywhere. <laughs> but the Peter Uberoth joke, like that is such a great little insight into Lisa's character yeah. because Peter Uberoth was an NFL commissioner <laughs> and like uh, he was, he was part of the, uh, and so I remember that name from, from NFL commissioner, but I looked it up because I watched it yesterday too. And I'm like, why would Lisa be so interested in Peter Uberoth? And he was involved in an LA commission to sort of bring back LA after the riots in 92. Mm. Like it, it's okay. such, it's such an obscure figure. Yeah. And Lisa's just like childlike joy, but at finding <laughs> a 99 cent Peter Uberoth biography yeah. is, is like a new dimension to that joke that you discover in Has 2018, yeah. you know, that's, that's wild. You know, that's, that's what I love about it. So, I mean, I had the Game Boy games and the Nintendo games. I mean, I remember a birthday party where, um, did you guys grow up in, in Calgary, in Edmonton? I Lethbridge. grew up in Edmonton. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I grew up, uh, in Cochrane. Okay. Yeah. Um, does the word Bullwinkles ring a bell yes, to you guys? I had okay. a birthday at Bullwinkles. Okay. In so yeah. I had a birthday party at Bullwinkles when I was six or seven and, um, one of my friends in my elementary school class, his dad was the manager. So Ooh. we got Bullwinkles to ourselves and we <laughs> oh, got shit. unlimited tokens. Yeah, right? That's <laughs> that's, that's, like that's it. Dream. That's my peak yeah. of my life. Everything has been sort <laughs> of from mediocre there. from there. <laughs> but I mean, I remember beating that game and just pumping quarters into that, that game. The, and the, the classic arcade yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's burned into my brain oh, yeah. too, right? So... Um, did and you then, have Bullwinkles in Cochrane? We didn't. No, not in Cochrane. The closest thing we had was Bonkers and Market Mall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. But yeah, is that for the listener who may not know? But Bullwinkles is essentially like an arcade uh, restaurant type place, like it a was, Chuck E. Cheese. It was Chuck E. Cheese, but they had licensed the classic Rocky the, and Bullwinkle, yeah, Bullwinkle characters. Yeah. Um, and it only existed in Alberta and a few in California. It was oh, a great really? concept because okay, yeah. they had the talking, you know, the talking <laughs> pizza show and everything like that. And and it <laughs> was Beaverati, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm ready. It was Boris and Natasha and, <laughs> and uh, Dudley Do Right and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, all of those things were part of my childhood, right? Mm -hmm. And then you grow up and and. And then the CBC connection comes in because, um, you know, folks that are listening to this podcast who aren't in Canada might not realize that across the national CBC television network in the 90s, and I'm, I'd love to know when this actually began and when they began syndicating mm. it, but 5 p.m. every day was a Simpsons rerun, Monday to Friday, every day. It, um, it became an hour long. Yeah. It became a back-to-back -back, yep. um, eventually. 
And I don't know when that started to happen, but that's, I remember that because that's what kept me in The Simpsons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I think kept that's a lot there. of Canadian kids yeah. in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what I mean was like, we didn't have, um, we didn't have, like, we didn't have cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up Like we would sometimes And we wouldn't other times Like throughout the summer My mom would usually be like No, nope, no cable You <laughs> go out and play That sort of thing Right? But we would still have the rabbit ears Yeah So we could watch hockey games Yeah uh, But with Hockey Night in Canada Comes the CBC And at 5pm Comes the Simpsons That's right And I got to watch An hour long block of the Simpsons All throughout my summers um, And it was I'm glad you brought that up When we were actually at Uh the, the the home station, stretch. yeah, yeah, uh, because it, it it did bring to mind how vital the CBC syndication was, yeah, to uh, to this podcast becoming a thing because it wouldn't be right, it wouldn't be if I hadn't seen two uh, an hour of Simpsons a day for years and years and years, right, and same same here, right, like I'm in the same boat, and and there's and this is one where you might want to get like you know. Chris Turner on to talk about it, but I wonder if there's a connection to be made between the sort of Canadian sense of humor in terms of how it's evolved and the stuff that's come out of Canada and the fact that there's a generation of Canadian, you know, people in their twenties and thirties who grew up with the Simpsons every single day on their national broadcaster from coast to coast. I mean, the uh, case can definitely be made for that. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, fantastic. What's your story? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for that. Um, do we have anything in the mailbag? We do. Uh, we have a, uh, email from Sophie Nguyen. Um, and, uh, she says, uh, she's been meaning to write to us, uh, because we tell her to at the end of every recent episode. Uh, we try which, and which do, we that. do So, yeah. uh, it's happening. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, really likes our podcast, entertaining, relaxing to listen to. I like the conversational tone. Uh, heard about us through the real gyms, of course, uh, who has helped us gain a lot of, uh, subscribers, uh, listeners, whatever. South of the border, especially. That's exactly. Yeah. Uh, listening to the new episodes that come out and the old episodes starting from the beginning. It's really interesting to see the difference, which is very true. Yeah. Um, hopefully it's better. <laughs> we, we hope so. <laughs> Um, all tangents aside, loves the Simpsons, love listening to us talk about it. Been watching the Simpsons for longer than, uh, she can remember. Uh, her dad has always been a big fan of the show. Here we are. He, there yeah, you go. And he yep. passed it on to her and her brother. Uh, dad, her dad's actually also from Canada. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's fairly all coming young, together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fairly young to be a Simpsons fan. Uh, she's a sophomore in high school. Uh, yeah. So she doesn't really have anyone to talk to about the show. That's why she loves the show so much. Uh, constantly making references to her friends. Uh, that they don't get and trying to get them to watch the show. And so, uh, yeah, she says that we've helped her uh, better appreciate a lot of the episodes and giving something to fill the donut-shaped hole in her heart that the newer seasons just can't. So Sophie is a high school sophomore? Yes. Right, okay. So I have good news for you, so- Sophie. The, um, it the, gets better. The people who you call <laughs> your friends, they're not. They won't be your friends forever. And you have university or college or... Whatever post-secondary institution you choose to uh, to go to to make friends who you choose, they're not just the people who are close to you. Yeah, in the same vicinity, you can. You're kind of forced into friendship yeah, in high you, school. You very you know, much yeah. are. In a lot of ways. And uh, <laughs> when you're done, you never have to see those people again. <laughs> uh, in fact, many don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh, 
Sometimes by choice, just and sometimes it's just because that's the way the world works. It's true. Yeah. Um, it is always interesting though to go back home and run into people. I mean, our yeah. our our ten year reunion, and we did have a weird high school <laughs> where everyone was actually pretty close and did stay friends. Oh, back. So I'll just pick it up from wherever. Yeah. Um, it's funny though, because uh, you know, I my high school was a little weird in that a lot of us did stay really close friends and there's a big group of people who did which is not typical at all especially 10 years out so our 10-year reunion though you go back and it's like hey how, how you doing man it's like good just got out of jail <laughs> it's like oh oh he came oh to the reunion good on you bud that's great that's that great the top of his list yeah, yeah. I you want to grab that. a beer or what yeah. you know my 10-year so. reunion uh 10-year reunion uh was i did not go um, Me neither. The biggest reason was because the, uh, so the, it was in Lethbridge, of course. I live in Calgary now. So it would have been a commute, not like an insane commute by any means. But I remember the event planner was like, like, you know, explaining how the night was going to be. And it's like, all right, so like the, you know, from noon to five is going to be the family time when people can bring their children and all this stuff. And then five to 10 is like party time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Like yeah, we just rented ten. Like we ten. just rented a bar. Yeah, <laughs> like was... I, I just knew. I knew based on that description, and then seeing all the people who were attending, who all like are married with like three kids, that like it was. I was not going to relate to any of these people anymore. You know, it was just like I'm. I am uh, at the time, you know, single and no children, and I uh, work at uh, like a pizzeria or something. I think was probably at the time. And now you're married, <laughs> three children, children. And, and I work at a better pizzeria. <laughs> yeah. And you are the manager of said pizzeria. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, all false. All false. Uh, <laughs> those are all factually inaccurate. Um, but yeah, so so I just didn't go. Uh, I might go to the next one. Um, I think they're doing a 15 year. And I might go mostly just to, I'm very curious at a lot of the people where their lives are at now. Well, 15 years, I think, is more interesting than 10 years. Yeah. Who does 15 years? I also feel like I'm like I'm I'm a little more like stable in my life that I can go and feel superior to everyone, so which is really it's, the it's reason a, you It's go. a victory lap. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like no one goes to a re- reunion to be like, ah, I'm I'm having a bad time and I really need some money and. You go to be like, look at all the things I've done. What have you done? Yeah, that's what I thought, idiot. <laughs> or Brad. or maybe you just got out of jail and you want to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, I'm free now. I can do these things. <laughs> I would. That makes sense to me. <laughs> these are a lot of people who you knew yeah? before that happened. <laughs> so I just feel like the, the people that I actually did have a connection with in high school, I'm still friends with. You know For what sure. I mean? Like, there, it's it's not... Uh, an exclusive thing, and this brings us back to uh, Sophie and and her, her time in high school. Oh yeah, we're talking. I'm about sure. Sophie. I'm sure there are people that you know in high school right now that you have a genuine connection with, which you will become, you will stay friends with. But most of the people in high school are usually not people you talk to again. It's uni- it's definitely university. It's that culture that like really brings people together in a lot of meaningful ways. Not only because you often take you know classes that you actually care about, and therefore you're in a you know a class with other people that also care about that subject and therefore you can connect with them easier. It's not just people being thrown in into, you know, biology or whatever. And and if you want want to roll it back to the Simpsons too, I found that (laughs) I found that the people that you share a sense of humor with are the people that you're friends with for 
the longest periods of time. Definitely. Right? Like that yep. is that is the one thing that will bring you together and keep you together more than anything else in high school, in in post-secondary, at work, you know. It's it's being able to laugh about the same things mm-hmm. is yep. such a great sort of and they're out there. The tissue. Simpsons fans are out there. They're, we're numerous. There's so a, you'll find you'll find some people that you'll connect with. Yeah, there's a there's a particularly phenomenal meme that I remember of uh, the uh, of the the guy going to a party and he's like, "Let's find the cool people at this party." <laughs> and and shouts he, dental plan. And he shouts uh, dental plan. Yeah. <laughs> and anyone who says Lisa needs braces is yeah. like, "All right, you're the cool." All right, cool let's ones. talk. Yeah, let's be friends. Love it. So. So yeah, thanks for writing us in though, Sophie. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, if you want to write to us, you can write us at the Hammock District on Gmail. Mm. <laughs> the Hammock District on Gmail. <laughs> oh boy, it's been a while since <laughs> since we've been in the studio. At yahoo.gov. <laughs> at Geocities. Uh, boy. Uh, the Hammock District on third at gmail.com. Numerical three. Thank you. Um, but let's dive into the episode, shall we? Okay. <laughs> so this episode is Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy. This is uh, the 10th episode of the sixth season. We're doing it. Almost halfway through. We are, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this was directed by Wes Archer, written by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. So, uh, oh, original air date, December 4th, 1994. So we're still still close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll catch up again, I'm sure. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, have to have the summer break. So essentially, this episode is, it starts out to be an episode about Marge and Homer's sex life. Yep. But then devolves into a story about Homer and Grandpa's relationship, which is interesting. Yes. Um, and then, of course, there's the B-plot with the saucer people, etc., with all the children. Uh, B-plot is very, very uh, inextricably linked to, to the A-plot, A which right. I really, really like. I always yeah. like it when they do that. It shows... When it can't be, you know, taken on its own. Yeah, like it it's, needs that A-plot to anchor it. That's just good writing. The, the, the writing, the thing about the writing that jumped out at me with this episode is how efficient it is. How much story they tell in 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, there is no wasted space in this episode at all. You are exploring all of Homer's relationships with his family. Yeah, right? it clicks on, like, really well. Like, it, like I said, it starts with Homer and Marge, you know, having that kind of montage of them. No, not having good luck in the bedroom. That's right. And it even makes time for him and his kids. Yeah. 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 When, he, when he realizes how, you know, his relationship with his father isn't ideal, he, you know, takes it upon himself to try and force his his kids to love him the way that he never loved his father. And it ends up, you know, obviously being a disaster because I'm using my whole ass. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is actually really telling of Homer's character, too, where, you know, uh, like I do love that line, you know, your half assed underparenting was a lot less a lot better than your half assed overparenting, mm-hmm. um, which like it, he's he's that kind of parent that works the best when he's not putting too much effort in but is still putting some effort in if that makes sense right like yeah. if he goes too overboard it becomes like lisa says it, scary <laughs> it it is one of cuz you know this is an episode that doesn't really when you look at the list in season 6 doesn't really jump out to you as one of the all-timers but mm. man i watched it again for the first time in a while and it's it's such a good exploration of Homer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it, it might and, be one of my favorite in, in terms of how different writers and different seasons approach Homer. And, you know, you get into jerk ass Homer mode. 
um, later on. Thank this you for might, using the vocabulary. Yes, no kidding. Well, there is one jerk-ass Homer moment in the episode where Grandpa gets crushed by the stuff above in the house, and he's pointing and laughing, and his comeuppance <laughs> is immediate when he's crushed <laughs> yeah. by a bathtub. Like yeah. a bathtub a whole bathtub. Instant karma is always the best way to handle jerk-ass Homer. Totally, totally. So it's just such a great exploration of all of these different sides of his character. Um, You know, the sort of laziness, um, but the love for Marge. Like, there's no objections to to trying to fix their sex life, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it is priority number one. And even when Marge has reservations about the utility room, uh, Homer's all in, right? He's like, no, we can make this work, right? And so, I don't know, I, I like how multidimensional it was when it sort of explored Homer. He's genuinely trying. Yeah, yeah. They both are. Uh, I do think it's funny how the, the episode does have that shift, because I think it is actually a really interesting um, thing that they explore with Homer and Marge, uh, you know, in their sex life, and a married couple whose sex... Because we've talked about this before on the show, about how they actually have a really healthy sex life. Based yeah. on the the evidence throughout the show, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they they you know there's never it's never the um, I'm trying to think of a good example like the honeymooners you know that kind of thing where you can tell like they both kind of hate each other and they're just together because for the kids kind of thing like they genuinely care about each other and there's a, there's a healthiness there. That's so many sitcoms. So many sitcoms. Where yeah, you, which where which like is always my least favorite part of most sitcoms is when it's like yeah. the schlubby uh, husband and the attractive wife. And, you know, he's always begging for sex and she's like, "Mm, not tonight. And it's just it's so trite and silly. You know, actually, which sitcom actually does it pretty well. What's that? And I can't believe I'm going to say this Uh is that 70s show. Okay. With Red and Kitty. I think think they have a pretty healthy sex life. They're actually really great. Yeah. They're and but you you wouldn't expect that. Right. From from a show like that 70s show. Sure. Uh, but I, it just came to mind because yeah. I was trying, like when you were saying that, I was trying to think of any live action shows that actually do um, a married couple that aren't miserable. That aren't, yeah, yeah. that that <laughs> that wouldn't make yeah. me want to slip my wrists. Yeah, and and, and and it's tougher, you know, from a writing perspective, it's tougher to get anything out of a relationship that's stable, to, you know, because <laughs> yeah. tension is where you can draw a lot yep. of the, mm-hmm. the, the humor oh, and, and the drama and out of yeah, it. Yeah. Right? That's definitely something they mine a lot in the Simpsons in terms of Homer and Marge is like their marriage is on the rocks again. But what I appreciate about it is when the episode isn't about that, their marriage is stable and, and happy and healthy, mm-hmm. um, which is not, not something normal for most sitcoms. Uh, usually it's like, it, you know, it'll, it'll at least be a joke within the episode. Even if the plot has nothing to do with their relationship, yeah. it'll be a joke or a couple jokes throughout the show that'll be like, ah, oh, you old shrew. And it's, it's just not, it's not uh, entertaining. I'm sure it was, you know, in the sixties when sitcoms started to take prominence, but. Well, another thing that I really enjoyed about this episode, if we're talking about the generations, is that the kids are written like kids. The kids are acting like kids. You know, Bart terrified of something outside and asking to sleep with his parents is is adorable. That's a little kid thing to do, right? And then they're all gathered in the treehouse, like worried about (laughs) their their parents. You know, what's happening to our parents? Like they're not solving crimes or or anything (laughs) like that, right? Bart and Lisa are acting like little kids, Um, you know, and... Um, so one of, you know, we can get to this down the road, but one of the things that's really interesting about this episode too, is where a lot of episodes with Bart and Lisa, they 
conclude things, right? Or they are in the right, or they have solved something, right? This one, the final scene with Bart and Lisa and Maggie, they're wrong, hmm. right? Like, and, 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 and they are making a judgment based on how little they know as kids because they don't know the ins and outs of either their parents' relationship or Homer and Grandpa's relationship. All well, of these what scene are you referring to? The very last scene where Homer peels off and, and he goes, someday you'll thank me for all this scary Oh, love. yes. Yeah. Serious you know? drinking. Yeah. 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 And, and okay, so, so it's, a, it's a good line. It's definitely but, a funny line. But, yeah. but it shows you, and, and this is how well this episode is written, you know, this takes me back to being a kid where you don't know all the intricacies of your parents' relationships with each other or with their own parents or things like that. And this episode featured maybe the most real scene, maybe in the show's history. When Homer and Grandpa are fighting, that is written as a really real scene. And it's intense. Like, I was surprised at it, you know, watching it back after like a while. Like in the car? Is that the way? Yeah, 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 where he kicks him out of the car. Because, uh, yeah, that, that, I, I was actually noting that, too, when we watched it, is that that scene doesn't have any jokes until it Gram- doesn't have Grandpa a release. has the, like, you know, army training thing. That's literally the only joke as That's as the release away. point, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's not much of one because it still doesn't resolve the situation, right? And it's, and it's I mean, mostly in there because it's an act break. And yeah. And usually the, you know, with any show, but especially with The Simpsons, they need some kind of button uh, joke to end an act break. And so, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine if maybe, like, initially they just had it, him kicking him out and him kind of looking forlorn, but then they're like, we need something here because this is an act break. We can't <laughs> leave mm. people with this depressing scene. But, I want them uh, to come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I about the kids. Like, I think it's interesting that they kind of gloss over the fact that a lot of the parents in Springfield are not very good parents in this situation. <laughs> like, like, literally, just leaving Ralph wandering the streets with his dinner. <laughs> He's just like, "Will you eat up my dinner for me?" He doesn't know what to do. Like, as presumably Chief Wiggum and Sarah well, are. Well, he knows what to do. He's not allowed to do <laughs> that, it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. I, I just think that's always very funny that uh, the parents in Springfield are usually shown as very incompetent. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Kirk and Luann (laughs) (laughs) while we're on the subject of that. uh, Tonight, we'll push the twin beds together. Oh, boy. (laughs) Just the the little seeds, the little seeds throughout the series that are going to lead up to a millhouse divided just are wonderful. Yeah. Um, It's actually surprising. I mean, obviously, we're led to believe that it's because of the tonic, but it's surprising that they're even, you know, <laughs> wanting to push the twin beds together uh, yeah. based on what we know about the relationship. Uh, one of my favorite shots, though, is Milhouse in that pup tent. <laughs> yeah. Just like... Bobbing his head. Bobbing his head. Just <laughs> yeah. doesn't care. He's just like, wow, this is fun. This is something I don't normally get to do, and that's all that Milhouse needs. Do, 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 do. Uh, I'm uh, in a pup poor, tent. Poor child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little wiener kid. Uh, <laughs> he is a little weeder kid. Yeah, but, that, that only child syndrome too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He and like well, the 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 tonic itself. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The, that is the a mild the, toxin. Yeah. The the poison. Mild poison. Sorry. Mild yeah. poison from the no sanit- doubt from the unsanitary conditions of Grandpa Simpson's bathtub. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the best part of this episode 
just like not like as far as like plotting goes i think my favorite thing is that the the tonic actually works it's yeah. not a snake oil salesman or and it, yet it, it doesn't it, get revealed to be like a placebo. oh it was yeah. all you all along yeah, yeah. yeah that's another sitcom trope <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is and yet grandpa is dressed like a snake oil salesman <laughs> and talks like a snake oil salesman <laughs> and do and that's does the thought. and does the whole bait and switch thing like a snake oil salesman when they go on on the road with it <laughs> like the thing is whenever i watch this episode why do they try to swindle people <laughs> right why do they why do they try and why does he try and be like you sir you've never seen me before have you why, why do they try and do that i think it's because it's the only way grandpa knows how to sell it, it is yeah he doesn't know how to not con people yeah well, he wrote the book on Flynn Flamin, after that's all. That's right. The, the, best, the best visual gag, one of the best visual gags in this show is the sign that presumably Homer has made in the mall that says, homemade <laughs> medicine, one dollar. <laughs> and it's poorly written. And you, sir, you, you look know. like you have a hard time satisfying your wife. Immediately punched in the face. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's what's interesting is that, you know, Homer tries to sell it at first and he clearly knows nothing about salesmanship. Yeah. And so Grandpa steps in and he knows how to sell something. And, you know, you can argue whether, uh, you know, it, it's good enough so it can sell itself. But at the same time, a lot of things still do need to be need salesmanship to to push sales. Oh, 100 you know? percent. But so they don't like need to play a con. <laughs> no. Which but, is what they're doing. But. Well, you could argue that I, I would argue more. It's just like this is the easiest way to uh, like because I think they just forgot, obviously, that Homer's face is on the bottle. And so they just they, they, they it's almost like a little play they wanted to do. It wasn't necessarily a con, you know, as in like we're trying to trick everyone. It's just this is the 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 showmanship. This is the the big top, the uh, spectacle that my we need. my point is that this that that scene literally happens in the game Red Dead Redemption. Okay. And and, <laughs> and the person who is doing is actually a snake oil salesman. Sure. <laughs> and you, I mean, that's a trope, right? And you, like, it's it's not, a, yeah. They're it's not using just in red dead redemption. No, I know, yeah. but like they're using, they're using a Western trope yeah. in a Western game. And then like, this is, this is a huge trope that, that people use when something is a scam. Yeah. Yeah. And my point is, Grandpa doesn't know how to sell things honestly. No, of he doesn't not. know how to be like. Well, just try a sample. He's got his <laughs> Colonel Sanders bolo tie yeah. and his white suit. Yeah, he's got his get. That's all he to needs go. is to, is just a sample spoonful. Yeah, right. It might taste awful, but like Buckley's, it works for Professor Frank. It works for Professor Frank. I, I yeah, also yeah, have yeah. to. I also have to mention the uh, great names of the sexually repressed communities <laughs> in the vicinity Falls. of Springfield. Oh, yes. Mount Seldom. Mount Seldom. Like, that's good. <laughs> and I probably did not get that as a kid. I yeah. can guarantee you I didn't oh, get yeah. that, that as a kid. That is like... That I'm is, sure I heard Frigid Falls and thought, oh, it's cold there. Yeah. <laughs> that is something that I thought Mount Seldom is... <laughs> so great because both of the words work. <laughs> Mount... Seldom. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's great. It's great. Uh, this also this also features uh, the maybe the first explanation in the series of uh, Homer's beard. That one little scene right. where he's where shaving. He's shaving and it just like pops <laughs> like, right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we've ever seen that before. Yeah, yeah. I think him, we, him unshaven. We, oh, I think there may have been one scene when he's teaching Bart to shave. I think that's maybe oh, the only that's time right. it's, yeah, it's happened that's before. Right. That's right. And he puts all of the it, yeah, he squares. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> anyone, that's anyone right. You're bleeding there, yeah. there, and there, and there. It's terrible. That's shaving, such a apparently. that's such a 
tiny visual gag, but it's so great. Yeah. It's so great. The other visual gag, and, and I mentioned the um, homemade medicine sign, but <laughs> when Homer and uh, when Homer grabs Bart and Lisa under his armpits and, and walks them out and you just see it's drawn so perfectly you just see the spikes of maggie's hair turning around what's going on as homer abandons maggie yeah. once again or <laughs> completely course. forgets about her existence Who's margaret simpson uh, yeah. your youngest daughter yeah you youngest did it that should be a segment in and of itself like homer's neglect to maggie because <laughs> it happens often enough we bring it up and we usually do that quote um anyway yeah, that's that's true <laughs> that's very true uh, so um, I I had I had oh I did want to say something uh, while you find the thing you're written down. Right. Uh, so the shift from it being about Marge and Homer's sex life to being about Homer and Grandpa uh, is done so seamlessly, and it's great writing. But I never realized until watching this time that like they didn't really solve anything. Like Marge and Homer arguably didn't really solve anything in their because like. The fact that it's just, I took this drug and then we had sex and now we're okay. Not really the best solution, arguably. I mean, it worked for the time. (laughs) It's true. Threw away his pants, said he never needed to use them again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It worked in the moment. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think think it's interesting because, like I said, it's normally depicted as a very healthy sex life. But in this particular episode, the beginning shows what, you know, when Homer's like, ah, oh, burritos or whatever he says, and it's like... Oh, enchiladas. Yeah, enchiladas. That's what the button goes <laughs> flying from his oh. pants. Like, there's just those moments where you're like, oh, that's that's really sad that, you know... Nuts. <laughs> and it's just like, here, take this drug. <laughs> Everything's solved. I mean, well, that's really the, the t- message of the episode. Well, here's the take thing. The a drug. lot of the time in this, uh, <laughs> in, in this drugged-up culture that uh-huh. we live in, the, the, the solution is in a pill or, or a bottle. Or a bottle, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Or at the bottom of a bottle. I do wonder what was in Grandpa's medicine cabinet. Like I've always wondered that too. Like I, I, I kind of some... wish that there, there was like maybe some freeze frame you could do, like with uh, when he makes the uh, uh, flaming mo. I, I know that there's some asbestos and wormwood, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both poisons. <laughs> Good. I, I know that for a fact. Oh, boy. I, I saw those two this those time. Two, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, going back to the the start of the pod when you're talking about entry points and I was talking about, like, my dad, mm. I remember this one as one he really liked um, because timing-wise for him, young Homer, in terms of his age when he was in the farmhouse and those black and white scenes, so, like, eight or nine watching you know, President Kennedy in the early 60s, right? That would match up pretty well with my dad's experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so, like, and my grandpa used to uh, used to fix TVs, you know, at, at his, all the neighbors. Like, he had the first color TV on the block, and, you know, when they grew up in Scarborough. So the joke about the radiation king and the shadow burned into the wall. <laughs> like, I remember my dad <laughs> laughing real hard at that. And, and in hindsight, I think, man, there was probably more than an, a sliver of truth in that in terms of kids that age growing up with, with the novelty of TV, mm. right? I remember seeing that joke as a kid and being very confused because I know nothing about, you know, the idea of radiation and that kind of thing. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I did some experiments as a kid where I, like, would look at my shadow on the wall and see if it stayed there if I, if I stood long <laughs> enough. Because I'm like, is that really something that happens? Like, a shadow gets burned into the... And so uh, thanks, Simpsons, for, you know, wasting several <laughs> days of my life, I'm sure. 
Standing and watching a shadow. Bummer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got a lot of issues with this show, but I love it. Uh, uh, I did want to... uh, (laughs) I wanted to talk about the... So, yeah, the, the Homer and... An Abe relationship. Is this the first time we see their like farm, the moose farm? Uh, the oh, the the old house. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and it um it comes it comes back, back in the Tamako yeah. episode, mm-hmm. and I'm sure uh, after that, any number after that that I haven't watched. But, but those are the only two that I know of. Yeah. Um, Did you think it was weird that Homer didn't recognize his old house? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what is this dump? And he's like, that's where you grew up. And he's like, wow. Like, yeah, like stuff. I guess it really depends on when they moved away from that house. But like my first house is burned into my brain. Like I sometimes drive by it when I go to Lethbridge and just like wonder, what is it like inside? What's the address? Uh, I'm not saying that <laughs> on the air. <laughs> okay. Well, Almost did though, didn't you? I, yeah. It was <laughs> let's, let's do the math though. Because <laughs> if this episode aired in 94, mm-hmm. um, and let's see. And Homer's 38, which is mentioned in the episode. So Homer in this iteration of Homer. Mm-hmm. God, Homer Homer would so be born much. in the 80s now in terms of the, the shows now. <laughs> Homer but would Homer, be a millennial almost. Yeah. Yep. Homer would be born in 56. And That's then if right. they moved out in 63, then Homer was... And Kennedy was Seven. still alive. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going real deep. So... Um, so that's probably in 61, 62, and Homer's like probably five or six. Okay. Yeah. If if Kennedy's if Kennedy's still alive, he dies in 1963, yeah. November 22nd. Yeah. So if it could Ken- be... So if it, Kennedy died then. It, it could be 63. The Rand I mean, Corporation. I mean... Yeah. Know, in conjunction with Alan's the yeah. saucer people. <laughs> well, if we're going to... Let's go there. If he died, <laughs> then that's when it happened. If he didn't, he's living in New Orleans. I mean, which everyone... Just, I'm just going to say there's a lot of evidence for. That's everyone knows that. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. He, he disappeared from public life in yes. the United States. Yes. Yes. We can say we that. We can say that with confidence. Um, whether he's alive or not is... Uh, Anyone's guess. <laughs> <laughs> but if he's alive, he's in New Orleans. He's hanging out with Andy Kaufman and Elvis. Huh. So, <laughs> that, was, that was Alan's They are corner. all the same person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait. Oh, good twist. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Now we're at Greg's conspiracy corner. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> we're bouncing back and forth from our conspiracies. Yep. Um, enough of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to Two Bad Neighbors. Uh, uh, <laughs> the 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 fact that your dad had a um, well, if if we're going with this iteration of Homer, which we always should, yes. um, my dad would be the same age. Mm-hmm. As well, uh, almost. He was he was actually born in '63. Okay, All right. So the, he, it shocks me that my dad doesn't like this show, and he never enjoyed it. I think speaking as like now we finally have someone who on the podcast who has uh, uh, parents sense, who uh, like parents it. who like the <laughs> yeah. show, mm-hmm. uh, whereas we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we think was so hard about? so many parents to like to, to actually embrace that show. I can, I mean, I what was so for, difficult for my parents, uh, from my understanding. Um, I mean, my mom didn't really watch TV in general. Mm-hmm. So that's, and my dad would watch shows that we wanted to watch. So he would watch the Simpsons, mm-hmm. but he'd never would like, I don't remember him laughing at it. Um, and I think honestly, a big reason is the fact that it was animated. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, like I think my yeah. dad just kind of associated animation with childishness in a way. Kids stuff. Yeah, because I do remember, and you know, this isn't the best count like example to go along with The Simpsons, but I do remember getting really into Dragon Ball Z, which you may remember <laughs> as a television program. Uh, that I am I, vaguely familiar with that Dragon I Ball would Z. talk to my my parents about, and they'd be like, "Why are like." I must have been, you know, in high school or junior high or whatever. And they would have been like, why are you watching kids shows still? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Dragon Ball Z isn't a kid's show, mom. <laughs> and then I ah, and then ah. I'd prove it to her with a, a series of slides. No, um, <laughs> that actually sounds like you. <laughs> there's death. There's betrayal. There's. Yeah. But it's Shakespearean. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and people turn into giant monkeys. It's great. But I do think Just that like that's in a, Twelfth Night. a big reason why well, uh, my dad didn't like the show anyway. Well, so. my dad, I mean, my dad grew up watching, you know, Hockey Night in Canada. Again, back to the CBC, but before Hockey Night in Canada, back in the 50s, because my dad's born in the early 50s. Um, and before Hockey Night in Canada, uh, CBC ran the Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. So Looney Tunes cartoons, right? And that was... Yeah, and, and so I grew up with that because those were the videotapes that were in my my VCR, right? Because mm-hmm. my dad liked them, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, as a because I'm I'm the I'm the oldest of the family, right? Uh, out of my my siblings, and uh, you know, I'm sure he thought, and I should ask him about this actually. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he thought, well, if I liked it, then Dave's gonna like it, right? Like this is this is what is good for kids, and not this other. You know, because there was a lot of crap on TV at the time too, right? Like Ninja Turtles was kind of stupid. You know, consider it. In, How dare you? Yeah, yeah, but but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, let's be of, real. It's those, oh, yeah. it's really dumb. There, Most cartoons are pretty bad. There, there's stuff that's done to sell, you know, toys yep. and you know, you walk into a Toys R Us these days and it's just like branded shit everywhere. And it was sort of the, the early '90s you know, was sort the of the start of right that. Now? Paw Patrol. You ever heard of? Yes, it? I have heard of Paw Patrol. Yeah. I heard they tried My to do it live. It. Huh? They tried to do it live? Yeah. What didn't go mean? well. No, I mean, like, they tried to do, like, a live episode of Paw Patrol. Like, with real dogs? Yeah. That's what, solving crimes? Yeah, like, flying and I don't know. I don't know the logistics. <laughs> I just heard this, and I was like... Well, don't bring it up if you don't have the facts <laughs> to back it, it up, Is this animated? <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. Yeah, my niece loves that show. But it's... Yeah, I've, I've watched some with her, and I'm like, yeah, th- is this what the kind of crap I watched as a kid, too? And yes, more or less, it was. There but, you go. you know, it's it's such a nostalgia thing that, you know, uh, as an adult now, I have, you know, a Ninja Tur- a framed Ninja Turtle uh, poster signed by the original voice actors because they were such a huge part of my childhood right. that I'm like, you know, that's something that means something to me. I can recognize the show isn't, like, a piece of art or anything, necessarily, but it's still something that shaped me as a kid in a lot of ways. Like even giving a kid, you know, happiness in its smallest form is I think important. Even if it's like, oh, it's really goofy and silly. It's, it's still like, it's happiness, you know, what's wrong with that? I don't know if my parents loved that show from the outset, but what I think they realized, and again, I might be putting words in their mouth, but knowing my parents, I'm sure this is probably how it went down a little bit, um, is, they didn't see anything wrong with it and they thought it was worth a few chuckles and they got a kick out of it. Yeah. And because my parents were kind of shit disturbers when it came <laughs> to some of the other parents in the neighborhood, they were like, well, why is, why are they not letting him or her watch that show? I don't care. I'll, I'll let my kids watch <laughs> the Simpsons. Who cares? Yeah. Right. Uh, and it makes my kids happy and it's funny and it's not, 
I don't find anything offensive about it. And, you know, I mean, my parents grew up watching Monty Python, you know, mm-hmm. that was in the house uh, before the Simpsons was right. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of absurdist humor where either you get it or you don't. True. And, and, and if you get it, then that's, that's your gateway into comedy, into all of that kind of stuff. Um, if you don't get it, if you think it's dumb, if you think it's, you know, why is this funny? Then that sets you on a different path. I mean, God, what else do I remember watching as a little kid? I mean, the Muppet Show, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, right? Like, um, and I can see some parents, at, especially that age too, early 90s. And, and one of the thoughts, as a quick side note, one of the thoughts I, I was stewing around in my brain watching this episode is, is 94, what were the conversations about sex like on network television yeah. at that point, right? I mean, there are always the gags where they make fun of, you know, Fox for, you know, Fox mm. turned into a hardcore porn channel so <laughs> gradually I didn't even notice. Um, but I don't know if it was there yet in the way that, you know, we recognize it today or even 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, I mean... When did I'm trying to think of like television history moments and like when did when did Ellen come out of the closet? Late nineties, yeah, ninety seven. Well, I think would have been like ninety six, ninety seven, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, you know, I mean, we weren't talking even about that. Oh yeah, um, that was a huge event. Yeah, or, or just like wow, the gay people exist. <laughs> it was right. like a lot of people's reaction to that. And when was the first you know overt mention of Smithers mm-hmm. and his sexuality? That was probably ninety four, ninety five. You know, because uh, we just we just did sideshow Bob Roberts, right? So there you go. And he says choice of lifestyle, right? And and in a specifically political context yeah. too, right? And so, Marge gets a job. We did uh, already, right? Where she flies in the window. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's probably the one that's like the most blatant in a yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, going back to it, I mean. It's 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 what your parents grew up with and, and and what they see as comedy and, and if they even have a taste for comedy. I it's it's so foreign to us, mm-hmm. but some people just don't have that sense for comedy. Like the the yeah. the um you know, the, the girl who wrote in on the mailbag there. Yeah. You know, it's it's we think it's it's such a part of our lives and it's been so burned into our brains over the years, but you know, there are people who are like her high school compatriots who just don't <laughs> get it, right? Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, you look at the the number one comedies on TV, and it's usually stuff like Big Bang Theory and stuff like stuff that's like I, I don't want to deride that by any means. Uh, Please do. No, like <laughs> only in the sense that like I don't like it, and I you know I don't like that style of comedy. But I do think there's something to be said about that style of comedy, which is very safe in a way like it's very, wallpaper right yeah like it's, it's just it's it's there and people enjoy it and they don't think too much about it something like the simpsons actually has a lot of a lot of like social and political satire which really uh, you know coupled with stuff like bart hitting homer with a chair you know stuff like that that's really funny as just a joke but then you have stuff uh that like comments on the nature of uh the world that is you know an authority and stuff like that that's very interesting that, like you said, you don't really realize until you grow up with the show and you start to like go back to that kind of stuff and it starts to make you question certain things about the way uh, 
society works and even the way like like fox broadcasting company is you know like they they have it as little subtle jokes but it really made me think about it as when i was growing up like like why do they hate fox so much and then i delved into it and i'm like oh because you know there's a lot of issues with rupert murdoch and stuff like that but i do (laughs) i do think it's interesting that there's people out there who um who grew up with the simpsons like Mm -hmm. us uh, but there's also people uh, like Sophie, I'd say, who are discovering it as a as already, a secret, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like I'm I'm trying to think of like a show that that maybe I've had a similar thing to that I didn't grow up with that I that I really like, you know, from before the the 80s or whatever. And um, nothing really jumps to mind, to be honest. Because some of the weirder <laughs> stuff now that that isn't part of the cultural consciousness. I think sort of fits that bill, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, someone like Sophie won't remember what it was like in the early 90s. Like, you could not go into a store without seeing Simpsons shit everywhere. Yeah. Like, I had, like... Simpsons Pogs. I had a bunch of those. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, or, or you know, video games. Like, I mean, looking back at some of the old Game Boy games that I had, like Bart Simpson at Camp Deadly, um, Krusty's <laughs> Funhouse, yeah. uh, and there was another Bart one, Bart's too. Bart's Nightmare. Yeah. Virtual Bart. Yeah. Like all of these things. And that was within a period of maybe 24 to 36 months. Oh, yeah. Like that's how all encompassing this shit was back in the day. So, I mean, you couldn't avoid it. I mean, parents tried to shield their kids (laughs) from it, but you couldn't avoid it. Now there's stuff out there and media is so fragmented that no one really, there's no, there's no one channel you know, I, I wish yeah, it was no the CBC, one, but but no one cares no, right. as you much have about to, the one thing. You have to anymore. go find your own thing, right? You yeah. have to dig it out. And so, I mean, today maybe for comedy it would be something like Tim and Eric, where I could not mm-hmm. explain that to anyone, <laughs> you know, in a yeah. way that made sense. But um, this is yeah. weird and stupid and funny, right? Yeah. Um, and Even go into like a, a hot topic or a Spencer's gifts, and there's like section. There's like sections that are like this is the rick and morty section you know with all the different like paraphernalia from rick and morty you can buy this is the death note section and you it's kind of interesting going in there and like seeing okay so this is what at least this company believes the youth are into right now mm-hmm. um they're right <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean they're like and obviously they they i'm sure have done their market research and see what sells and that kind of thing but it's it is interesting to to do that and see uh i actually just bought a bunch of space jam stuff for our new year's party. And I was like, it's weird how much space jam stuff there is in this store because that was a movie from the nineties that no one really, I mean, people cared about at the time, but then like everyone forgot about it sucks. Yeah. And it's not very good. (laughs) And it's it's gotten this resurgence now. That's like weird, uh, almost ironic nostalgia, basketball Uh, nostalgia too. I think a lot of basketball fans like it totally for that reason. But But, but I don't don't think, I don't think you'll ever see a, comedy that because what what has that sort of all-encompassing cultural cachet these days Mm -hmm. probably i mean star wars still has it you know in terms of box office and and you know every superhero movie yeah you know um but as far as a comedy like can you think of any comedy either film or television that has reached everybody in the last decade and the, as far back as i can think of my th- my first thought is anchorman yeah and the will ferrell movies i would but, say the hangover okay yeah that would i think that might 
be the most recent one that was just like, oh, everybody's seeing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody. And like it's R-rated, but everyone's sneaking in. But that's a decade old. Though, it's, right? Yeah. yeah and it's also yeah. the, the fact that we... Uh, well, like those movies made a billion dollars. Yeah. 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 The fact that we consume things so differently now with the internet and, and talk about things so differently now. Um, like this podcast wouldn't exist uh, during the Simpsons heyday. No, <laughs> for many reasons, you right. know, the fact that the internet wasn't a huge thing and all that kind of stuff. But, but and just the like fact that it's too, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fact that it, that's the way we consume things now, it makes stuff like that less likely to cat. Like Simpsons happened, and everyone felt like it was theirs in a lot of ways, right? And you would share it with your friends and that kind of thing. But there was never like a a forum, like an internet forum or a Reddit subreddit. Where people would be like picking apart everything, although there was the uh, like Simpsons uh, Alt. archive. Alt.tv.simpsons, yeah, yeah. That was the closest thing, and I, that was born because of the the pervasiveness of the of the Simpsons, not uh, as a as a byproduct. But I do think that you know stuff like The Hangover or Anchorman or even Rick and Morty, uh, things that I do think have become not quite as popular as The Simpsons in its heyday, but like almost akin to it, get brought back down really quickly because of detractors on the internet, because, you know, because you say like, I really like this thing and you put it out there for millions to see and people are like, why do you like that thing? You're an idiot. And then you kind of retract a bit, even though, you know, you don't want to. Whereas The Simpsons, it felt like you could just love it unconditionally in a way and not worry about, uh, you know, maybe there was some bully in the school who's like, oh, The Simpsons is for babies or whatever, but you didn't care because that guy's a jerk. Well, the, qu- the question was, <laughs> how could you not love The Simpsons at that point? And very yeah. early on, I mean, I've heard stories from, from older pals of mine who were like, yeah, we'd go to a bar and it would be full and there would be hundreds of people in the bar and they'd put it on the TV and everyone would shut up and watch The Simpsons mm-hmm. every week. Like, I can't imagine any sort of TV show having that reach today, you know? And the thing is, it still happens. Yeah. Right? For the, um, for WooHoo Simpsons trivia. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, right? that's a good point, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not the same. No. It's, it's definitely not it's, the same. Yeah, it's, it's a new it's generation, though, which is really interesting. to watch it versus yeah. just being in the bar and happen, happening to yeah. watch it, but. It's, I've been in, I, I've, I've gone to, to WooHoo when there's been a Flames game on. And no chance, no yeah. no yeah. chance. They're they're switching one of those TVs to the, to yeah. the game. They'll have maybe one in the back playing it without the sound on, but but the, the main the stuff is ones all ones that Simpsons. no one's watching yeah. by the yeah. VLTs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But maybe. yeah, I do, I do think it's interesting that it's it's harder for something like The Simpsons to become the the way it did. It wouldn't in now. that time. Yeah, because like I said, because I do think Rick and Morty is the closest to uh, similar in in. Uh, mission in tone in comedy in a lot of ways and quality and quality um, and it's animated too so that that might know, that be helps. the biggest but that might but be the it, most in, the most important sure. thing is the is like it, every episode of Rick and Morty feels like it's in a golden age right now yeah mm-hmm. but because of the way that it's consumed you have the people who are big fans of it who say like only smart people like this show and that causes this ripple effect of people being like fuck you yeah <laughs> yeah you know i like now i hate rick and morty fans because of blank yeah elitism and then you become like <laughs> for me like i'm like i'm a rick and morty fan but i don't like saying it now because i know how like douchey a lot of rick and morty fans are and it's just this weird like cycle of and comedy gets politicized too yeah. and, and that's the other issue i mean the the most recent stories um talking
talking about the Roseanne reboot, which right. is going to be interesting, and, mm-hmm. and I will watch it. Yeah. But it's like, oh, Roseanne's a Trump supporter. Well, of course she's a Trump supporter. <laughs> like, that's the character of the show, right? Like, she, Yeah, in, like, if you watch the sitcom Roseanne, like, that's definitely who she would have voted for. She was poverty-stricken, like, low-income. That was, that was middle America before that yeah. term was even popularized in political discourse right absolutely um and so the fact that this has become a thing you know quote unquote even before the shows even started (laughs) shooting is just it makes me roll my eyes it's like look just let it happen and then judge it once it's out in the world you know also isn't it fair wouldn't it just be fair to have comedy from both sides isn't that okay Yeah. yeah Isn't that okay? Trump's just become such a yeah, like, no, like a, a paragon he, of like he can go burn in the fiery pits, whatever. <laughs> but like, it's okay to have comedy from either side, right? You can still be funny. Uh, like, I'm the kind of person who will watch it and probably think it sucks, and I'm right. But so is the person who watches it and thinks it's good. Sure, they're. Equally as right as I am. They're people, right. People. Quotation. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Now we're getting real deep. So how, how long do we have? Boys? We don't but, have to. Um, we really, we should really, we should really roll back and, uh, and hit the reference desk. <laughs> sure. Actually. Sure. I will make one yeah. point. Please before do. We yes. do that. Um, people base their self identities on things these days that they never used to previously. What media You're you right. consume, who you vote for everything like that, right? So if if you are challenged on that, oh, Rick and Morty is stupid. Um, oh, that Dave Chappelle um, Netflix special was problematic. People can't go, yeah, it, it, sure. Yeah, you're right. It's like, no, he's my favorite. How dare you? Yeah. And and it's, it's hard for, to, to get people, and that's not even talking about politics because that's a whole other level. Yeah. But it's it's hard to bring, once once you assume that, part of your self-identity it's it's very hard to roll roll back for people i think it was my i think it was my roommate grayson who was talking to me about this it's there's no middle ground no there's no room for being like yeah there's some flaws right yeah there's it's only it was a masterpiece or it was a piece of shit yeah well and it's also like especially with fandoms uh you know, Star Wars is a perfect example. That's exactly what I was yeah, thinking with of. Last Jedi, where people are either uh, fully on board or hate it entirely, and there's not a lot, a lot of space for nuance. And I actually saw long before I even saw the movie, I, I was reading all this, just these headlines of articles about it, and how it said there was a, a thing that said, you know, Star Wars fans need to realize that they don't need to go all in on either side. You don't need to love everything about Star Wars or hate everything about Star Wars. There's there's room for nuance, mm-hmm. you know. There's things you can like e- even within the films themselves. Like you can say, I liked this movie, but here are its problems. Or you and, can say, I didn't like this movie, but I really like this these parts of it. And within your community of of fandoms, because that's how these new communities are building up, it shouldn't disqualify you or or set you apart from other people in this community if you are on, you know, either end of the spectrum or, or anywhere in the spectrum in terms of how you feel about something. People like the idea know? of like the, the term of like a true fan, yeah. you know, which is like such a stupid term because it's like you're a fan or you're not. There's no such thing as a true fan. Just because I like something later than you did doesn't mean that I'm not a true fan because I didn't like it in its inception. 
and which is something that's always bugged me about things where it's like, you know, oh, like, yeah, I've watched this show from the beginning, and that's like a point of pride. It's like, okay, I, d- I didn't know it existed yeah, then. You I'm don't sorry. get a medal for your sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, like. like it's it's so bizarre. Me and my day ones. Yeah. Uh, reference so. desk. Yeah, let's head over to the reference desk. Here we go. All right, uh, the the inn that they stay at, the uh, the Aphrodite Inn, is mm-hmm. a reference to the real life Madonna Inn, which uh, apparently features different kinds of sex oriented rooms with unusual names that are supposed to spice up a couple's love life. So that's fun. Huh. I I always think because <laughs> being from Edmonton, I always think of the fana- the Fantasyland Hotel. Oh yeah, which. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the truck room is not in as <laughs> great shape as it used to be. But oh, damn, I just booked the truck room. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's funny, though. I'm going... It's funny that you mentioned the, the Aphrodite Inn. Yeah. I'm going to Vegas uh, on Friday, and I'm going to the Excalibur, which is, you know, the <laughs> castle one. And <laughs> cool. I realized that uh, I booked the run of house room, which is... That, mean? that means, apparently, the uh, the front desk can just kind of put you in whatever room... They oh. want to. So I am so literally thinking, like, <laughs> the utility room is where we might end up. That'd be great. Uh, the design of the old farmhouse inspired by the house featured in the 1993 film Flesh and Bone, which I had never heard of until today, but apparently it's got Meg Ryan, Dennis Quaid, James Caan, Gwyneth Paltrow. So, hmm. great. <laughs> I mean, 93, so obviously, uh, you know, in 94, they were probably like, this is, you know, something we saw recently and. People will recognize this, and it didn't stand the test of time. So, um, Also, just a general kind of reference is that Bart's obsession with conspiracy theories, inspired by the writer's observation that children around Bart's age go through a stage where they become addicted to information about UFOs and paranormal, paranormal phenomena. Hence, acting like kids. Yeah. Yep, love it. Which I, I don't know about you guys. I definitely went through <coughs> that kind of phase where I oh, yeah. went to the library, and I took out all the, the nonfiction books about like crop circles and stuff like that, and I was fascinated. I think we talked about my brief stint with spying on people. <laughs> on Go on. Maybe I, maybe I burned it out of my brain. But I like where I would like the Harriet the Spy thing. Okay. Where I was, like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I do sure. And that. I was trying to uncover conspiracies. Yes. But look yes. at look at all like the scholastic book flyers you oh, got I in school when you were like it. eight or yeah. nine years old. Like yeah, the the stuff that was aimed at boys was like all of that UFO paranormal, alien yeah. paranormal. That's exactly yeah. what I didn't know I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, Al Gore. Oh yeah, is in this episode. Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Oh boy. Uh, the name of his book, by the way, is Sane Planning, Sensible Tomorrow, which is probably one of my favorite things. It's great. The show has ever done. It's great. Uh, because I'd seek, not secretly, I, I really love Al Gore. I think he's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> it helps that he was like on Futurama a bunch, and I yeah. really liked his role in that. Uh, parody of the X-Files theme song is played when, uh, you know, they're scanning the book, and it mm-hmm. goes. Um uh, Foggy Mountain Breakdown. Foggy Mountain Breakdown. Yeah. Classic banjo tune. There are only three bluegrass <laughs> songs, and Foggy Mountain Breakdown <laughs> is one of them. Yeah. And my God, is it hard. Oh, it is oh, so hard to play. Uh, as you can see, yeah, I have hey, a banjo. I, I, no, I'm saying yeah. play it on the podcast. Man. I have a banjo <laughs> right, right here. I can't. I cannot. <laughs> okay. I can't play it. Um, uh, I've, I've tried, and I'm not. You classical gas? I'm not that kind of banjo player. I can play a little bit of classical gas on uh, on a guitar, but once again, it's a it's a hard <laughs> yeah. it's a hard song to play. It's um, yeah, reminiscent of uh, Bonnie and Clyde. 
uh, as well, mm-hmm. for, like the chase scene specifically. Yeah. Uh, professor Frank takes the tonic and turns into essentially a nutty professor trope. Uh, not trope, but like specifically from the movie The Nutty Professor, not the Eddie Murphy one, the Jerry Lewis one. Of course, because um, he's he Frank is Jerry Lewis. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he becomes the the like buddy love char- character who's like the smooth talking guy and the uh, grandpa pronouncing the word pneumonoaltramicroscopic silicomechanicaniosis. Whoa, that's good. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> I actually so long before I saw this episode, I think or at least like never clicked in. Uh, I learned this word at school and it might've been around this time. So it's possible that like whoever first told me about it's it, saw this totally episode. probable. Yeah. Was it in <laughs> yeah, a song? Did you learn it in song? No, it was just like, Hey, like, do you know what the, like the, one of the longest words in the English dictionary is? And they said this, and I'm like, Whoa, what was that? And then like, I like broke it down and like, Memorize each little beat until I could say it like Grandpa does in this episode. New mono ultra microscopic silicovolcanoconiosis. That's the song. What's okay? <laughs> Who did that? Oh, that well, just no, that was my, that school? was my grade four teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that terrifies me for the next time we go to Simpsons trivia because they're going to ask something like that and. I would be sitting at my table going, oh, no one's going to know that. That's fine. <laughs> and there's like going to be a table. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Down to the end of the page. <laughs> the second longest one is anti-disestablishmentarianism. Yeah. yeah that's that one the other up. one. Yeah. Hey? That was... According, according to... Because you want to always want to know the runner-up. Electrophotomicrographically, apparently, is used to be um, before this one. At least for... So apparently this word uh, was actually derived from... Uh, it was invented at the annual meeting of the National Puzzlers League. Yeah, it's not like a real <laughs> word. Um, That's not a real organization. <laughs> so they like kind How of dare you? This, Alan is then, the president. Then the, you know, the, the dictionary put it in. Um, but so for those that aren't aware, it's uh, supposedly supposed to be a... Volcanic dust disease. Yeah, so if huh. you inhale volcanic uh, crystalline silica dust. Um, so silica, That was part of the song, too. Yeah, the disease is actually just known as silicosis, and this is supposed to be a synonym that was invented by puzzlers. So, very nice. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what else we got here? So, I just need to find my. I have two different references that I draw from. Uh, Cheech and Chong, the Troy McClure movie. Oh, definitely. At the very beginning. Yeah. Which uh, did you write down what what it was called? Uh, I forgot to. I sure did. Okay, great. I'm going to find <laughs> it right here, and it is the, the $1,000 th- movie, Uncle Doobie and the Great Frisco Freakout. <laughs> Love it. That was definitely a, speaking of Simpsons trivia, that was a question once that I of course did it was. not get, and <laughs> I still don't have it locked in my brain. <laughs> Uncle Doobie and the Uncle Great Doobie Frisco Every time Frisco I see Freakout. a parody of the old phone-in movies, like the $1,000 movie or the million-dollar movie, I always think of the great uh, Walter Cronkite on SCTV bit where, uh, who was it? Dave Thomas playing Walter Cronkite and being forced to fill in for the million dollar movie and being really irritated by the callers that come in. Great bit. That's another, that's, a, that's another thing that my parents used to watch. A SCTV? Lot of. SCTV. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I loved that stuff. That was great. Air farce. Yeah. <laughs> watch the oh, air boy. farce all the time, man. I didn't like air farce. I don't know why. Loved Mike from Canmore. Yeah. He was my favorite. <laughs> He would be. Uh, <laughs> <supposed to> be. <laughs> Apparently the term sexual inadequacy was coined by Masters and Johnson, the sex researchers. So, Oh, okay. So are you familiar with that? Masters of sex. Ma- yeah. Yeah. And so that's based ah. on. Um, Bull Durham, the uh, scene in the bath. Apparently that's very reminiscent of the, the same scene. In oh, Durham. yeah, where the movie turns into a softcore porno. <laughs> 
It does so so gradually, you barely even notice. <laughs> Tim Robbins and Susan Strand, and that's how they met. Uh, yeah, but it's n- not them who it's Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner that oh is it turns into the softcore porn oh so you haven't seen it it's a great so movie both in that and that's how they eventually married yeah uh, Naked Gun the stock footage festival is uh, the same stock footage they show in Naked Gun when <laughs> it's referencing sex obliquely mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I already mentioned Flesh and Bone so I think that's pretty much it oh uh, we're through the Looking Glass people it is from Oliver Stone's JFK Yes, it is. It <laughs> totally is. Oh, that movie sucks so much. I love it. I love every minute of it. It's so <laughs> dumb, though. It's so dumb. There's also the... Um, there's actually quite a few famous people mentioned in this episode. Uh, Paul Harvey, yep. who does the uh, the erotic American... <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Erotic well, American. Famous radio storyteller. Yeah. And now who, you know the rest, the rest, of, the rest of, of the story. Yeah, that's... Uh, I never realized that was because I heard that when I was a kid a bunch and I just thought it was like this like little thing that I found on the radio and I realized it was this huge and that little boy who deal. nobody liked was <laughs> Roy Code. Wow. wow. Yeah. So referenced of course in a different Simpsons episode as well yep. that grandpa likes. Um Robert Maplethorpe uh the the book that Homer accidentally <laughs> yes. is reading with the with yeah. the ass on it. Yeah, that's uh Maplethorpe who's a controversial gay artist whose work spawned major art censorship in the late eighties. So I love that Homer picked it up. Uh, um, that's a guy who would not know what to do with that. That's so funny. <laughs> uh James Meichner uh apparently is one of America's greatest novelists. Mishner? Mishner? Yeah. That's the one. Uh Pulitzer Prize for Tales of the South Pacific. 99 cents a pound. <laughs> um, Dwight and Mamie Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way he says that. I don't need to tell you it was Dwight and Mamie Eisenhower. Um, and the Rand Corporation has long been involved in incubating right-wing causes. <laughs> so, All right. That's a uh, that's a chock full of references. That's, that is chock full of references. How about favorite joke? Favorite joke. Shall oh, we start yeah. with our guest, or do you want to? We'll end. G- with, give, give me a couple moments. We'll end with our guest. Uh, there are some good nominees um, there. Mine, right off the bat, is um, uh, your father. Like myself and your grandfather are in a sticky, sweet, <laughs> chewy, <laughs> chocolate. Chocolate. put it away, boy. Yeah, I had that one written down too. I just. This time I just I loved it so much because it's it's I think it's a perfect joke that encapsulates this episode. This episode is very Homer, yeah. and that joke is such a perfect Homer joke. It has nothing to do with the rest of the episode, and it's quick yep. and it's in and out. But yep. it's it's it goes back to efficiency. Yeah, like what a very great, efficient, what a great gag. Yeah, it's another joke that I use in everyday life often. <laughs> Put it away, boy. I say all the time <laughs> to people who aren't boys. Um, <laughs> and they're like, "What are you doing?" Um, my favorite is probably right near the beginning when Bart goes onto the roof with a bat. Love it. <laughs> and then we see just from <laughs> the bedroom, the bat, and then, bah! <laughs> it's so quick. And then a very quick doorbell ring. I had never <laughs> noticed the doorbell before. And I think that was a syndication cut, Could be, but, yeah. but, oh my God, that's great. That's a great <laughs> audio I mean, gag. Sense. They probably locked the door when they went to yeah, bed. And so yeah. he's like, I need to get in. He's going <laughs> to ring the doorbell. Just love that shot. Ah, <laughs> so quick. Oh boy. I'll give you. I'll give you a visual gag and a line. So the best visual gag in this episode, for my money, is 
Homer getting crushed by the bathtub. Yeah. Like yeah. the animation there where it's instantaneous. <laughs> yeah. And all you see, like I, I dare anyone to watch that and not laugh at it because all you see is just his belly sticking out and a couple of legs <laughs> and an old timey bathtub. Um, <laughs> the greatest line though, the one that I use all the time is 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 pain sad Homer going, but I'm using my whole ass. <laughs> like that's that's just that's such Homer. a great Homer line. Yeah. Love that one. I also do want to mention real quick, we brushed over it, but the Paul Harvey, all that Mr. and Mrs. Erotic American tape, I think is so funny. Yeah. Especially the line, by now you must be flinging woo at each other like nobody's business. <laughs> you can As tell. they're like angry in the car. You can tell that there are a couple of impressions that are not really, like, not a, I don't think Paul Harvey is a, a super famous American. Yeah. But one of those impressions that just, the impressionist just loves to do so much that it just ends up in all you know as many as many opportunities as they can to sneak it in and that's gotta get be it that's, in. That, that's Harry, gotta be Harry Shearer sure, yeah yeah absolutely yeah I wonder if they just knew that he could do a decent Paul Harvey impression and that's how they you know because I'm sure a lot of the writing comes comes back to that right yeah like oh we know Harry can do a good Paul Harvey so that'd be really funny if Paul Harvey was narrating this yeah. erotic American tape you well were, speaking of Paul Harvey that, that reminds me of, of you know I working at the CBC um I used to work in Edmonton where they did the Irrelevant show out of, and uh, mm-hmm. Peter Brown, who I used to work with many years ago, um, he l- had a great Stuart McLean impression. Like oh, really? He had a bang-on Stuart McLean impression. And he would, as the executive producer of that show, he would find every opportunity to get his Stuart McLean impression on the show, even though he wasn't one of the main voice actors. Um and it culminated with the best one, which was Stuart McLean reads ransom notes. <laughs> and the final line, and I can't do it justice, but I'll try. It's like, please find enclosed your daughter's finger. <laughs> it's, it's dark. Probably the darkest joke that the CBC's ever aired. But uh, yeah, like so if you great. if you have a if you have a knack for it, or if you know you have someone in your cast yeah. who has a knack for it. Yeah. You write these things as many times as you can. Yeah. Uh, well that about brings us to the end of our time together. Yes. Um, so I'd like to real quick, uh, do a quick shout out cause we've got some, uh, some new, uh, Patreon, uh, Patrons, <laughs> um, uh, quick shout out to uh, uh, Glenn, Kyle, and Nell um, for joining our Patreon and uh, hopefully enjoying all the things the that catalog. the Boathouse Studios back catalog has to offer. You want to uh, know what our opinion is on Godzilla <laughs> from 1998? You got it. You definitely got ah. it. You want to know about the soundtrack? Want to know what it's like? Uh, I don't for know if we brought that. The here. soundtrack holds up, man. I love that. Oh, Jimmy boy. Page and Puff Daddy. <laughs> oh I boy, mean, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? that song yeah comedy podcasts um ridiculous podcasts where ali and camille get drunk all the time talk about val kilmer and and talk about val kilmer movies that's that podcast is up and running right uh the cinevals the uh the The unofficial (laughs) sequel to the cinepals yeah is up and running (laughs) uh so please please uh Feel free to check all that. Did we ever do out. any Val Kilmer movies in the Cinepals? You know, I can't remember. We I should don't find think, out. I don't think we did. Okay. If we did, we should like be the guests for that episode. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go back through the catalog and check. Like maybe Batman Forever. No, I don't we think never we did Batman Forever. Yeah. No. 
anyway. Missed yeah. opportunity. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Um, and uh, like to real quick uh, thanks Dave uh, for oh, coming thanks. on. Thanks for the opportunity. Is guys. there uh, is there anything you would like to plug? Oh like God, Twitter uh, or anything? <laughs> Twitter Dave underscore Waddell. Um, I mean. Talking about work is tacky. So what I oh, will, you can do that okay, too. Okay. Well, I work I work at CBC Calgary. So anyone in the uh, in the Calgary area, I know you have a vast audience around the world. But uh, <laughs> we're on. Uh, uh, we do local radio. Uh, how much? You know, six seven hours a day of local radio out of here, and I'm involved with the back half of it every day. Um, if anyone out there is a sports fan. Um, and there is a bit of crossover with that. Um, we also do a podcast here in Calgary out at a place called the Pig and Duke Pub. Uh, the podcast is called the Oilers YYC Podcast. So a bunch <laughs> of Edmonton Oilers nerds suffering through this uh, <laughs> horrific season. That's a bummer. Uh, getting together, drinking beer, talking Oilers, yelling at each other. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a good time. And, you know, keep an eye on us at Oilers, at Oilers YYC on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm keeping busy with, uh, with a ton of, uh, podcasting and broadcasting and things like that, but I do really appreciate the opportunity for you guys to, uh, bring me here. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Please, please do come back, uh, next season or earlier. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, Alan, anything you want to plug? Yeah, uh, I'm all about trivia these days, so I am hosting, uh, my monthly, uh, movie trivia down at Dickens Pub. Uh, that's going to be January 14th. Oh, boy. I should have checked this first. That's the uh, Sunday. <laughs> then it's not that day. Okay. It's the uh, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, January 17th. Yeah, there you go. There it is. So Wednesday uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, where we'll be doing a whole bunch of movie trivia. Uh, got lots of prizes and beer specials and that kind of thing. Um, I'll be then, there. You'll be there this yeah, I'll time. Be there. You've missed a lot of them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just a week after that, a week and a bit, uh, Sunday, January 28th at Dickens Pub, I'm hosting Seinfeld Trivia. So if you guys like Seinfeld, which uh, I would wager a lot of Simpsons fans enjoy Seinfeld as well. Uh, it's not a perfect Venn diagram, but it's, it's there's a crossover. Uh, if you like Seinfeld, come on down. It's the uh, first time we're trying this, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to show some episodes and uh, have uh, maybe an Elaine dance contest. So... Hilarious. I love uh, it. <laughs> so that's uh, January 28th, uh, also at 7 p.m. Uh, Sunday. Uh, $5 cover. It's going to be fun. Cool. What about you? Uh, check out all the Boathouse Studios podcasts. Um, there's a new episode of Who is Speaking live in Banff. Um, we did a whole bunch of uh, episodes there, and I picked the best of <laughs> and uh spliced together in a, what I think is a pretty good episode. Nice. Um, and the Cinevals have just released their new episode of Real Genius, Val Kilmer's second film. Oh, boy. A oh quintessential boy. 80s college Wait. mess around film. Oh, hold on. Back, back, back this up. <laughs> so is is the premise of the podcast that they're going through... Chronologically. Chronologically. <laughs> Val Kilmer's. Val Kilmer's entire filmography. That is exactly it. That's a brilliant idea. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not my idea, but it was there. And I am very happy to plug it whenever I can. Uh, we might be back with what went wrong sometime soon. I hope so. Um, it's uh, it's definitely our least uh, recorded podcast currently. But it's marinating. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you know they're just that good quality when they do get released. Yeah, listen to our Collateral Beauty one. That one's a good episode. If you don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, next time here on uh, the uh, Two Bad Neighbors, though, we're going to be talking. About how uh, how many fly boys crack us up, and uh, we're going to talk about fear of flying. Super. 
We're going to hopefully broadcast it to all 50 states except for Hawaii and Alaska, the freak states. <laughs> so <laughs> stay tuned for that. Um, and uh, you can always reach us uh, on Facebook, uh, Two Bad Neighbors, uh, on uh, Instagram, and on Twitter at Bad Neighbors Pod. And you can email us, of course, at the hammock district on third at gmail.com. Numerical three. Thanks so much again to Dave, our guest. Thanks to you, all of our listeners, for listening in. And we'll keep watching the skis.